Hello and welcome to Thanksgiving week. We are back with you once again, checking in for the first time in a few weeks as the offseason has had its first round of fireworks. The Phillies have made the first big splash of the offseason, reuniting the hometown homegrown ace, number two pitcher, if you really want to be cranky, Aaron Nola. He's back. He's re-signed for a seven-year deal worth over $170 million. In fact, it's $172 million, which is a mere half million dollars off of one Mr. Matt Gelb's February 2023 prediction of seven years, $171.5 million. Let's welcome in Mr. Matt Gelb of The Athletic. Matt, hi. How are you? It was such a good prediction, Paul, that I did not immediately remember making it. It's amazing. Uh, nine months, I feel like that doesn't count anymore. No, it counts. Stop. It counts. You you called it in February. I know things changed. I don't care. I'm counting it. That's That's unbelievable. Well, not a lot changed, and maybe that's like a good place to start here. Is oh, that that's deep? Uh, you know, I mean, this is probably a deal they you know could have done <laughs> in spring training, yeah. and I understand why it didn't get done. I, you know, the Phillies didn't want to go to seven years at the time. Uh, Noah's camp didn't want to go below two hundred million guaranteed at the time, and rightfully so. You know, he takes it to free agency, and you get a chance to see how other teams feel about you, and um. You know, I know there's been a lot made about him, um, you know, the reports, and I do believe they're true. And I, I, I just don't know how much like, you know, that he left money on the table to come back to the Phillies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was a ton of money. Um, OK, like I don't think anyone was offering him 200 guaranteed or 30 per year. Um, if I had to take a guess, it's somewhere around the range, maybe like two million, you know, per year. Right. So it's not, you know, like okay. nothing yeah, feels right. Um, but some, something around there. Um, so not negligible money, but also not um, it's not like he took a, a huge, huge, huge discount to stay with the Phillies. And, um, you know, in the end, he signs the, <laughs> the the biggest deal the Phillies have ever given to a pitcher. And uh, that that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, this is, you know, forever. This is a franchise that was. uh you know, wary of long-term contracts to pitchers, um, especially free agent pitchers. The Cole Hamels deal was an extension. Technically, it was during, uh, you know, it was like halfway through, I think, his his walk year. Uh, and you can, was that six or seven years? That's six years. Six years, 144 for Hamels. Seven years is a lot. You know, the Phillies going to that point, uh, it's a lot. But also, it follows the structure of... Uh, what they've done in previous deals like this should look and feel very familiar to people. Uh, you know, why did they go to seven years? They knocked the AV below 25 million mm-hmm. and the payroll is high. <laughs> it's, it's high. Yeah. It's going to yes, be it is. probably yeah. one of the, you know, top three or four payrolls in baseball this coming year. They're going to go over uh, the second threshold. I think, I think that's pretty much a slam dunk at this point. The second threshold this year, is 257. Uh, I think they're going to go over that. Like, actually, I know they're going to go over that. They're, they're going to go over that. Um, they will not go over 277, which is the third threshold. It used to be the highest threshold. Now there's a, a fourth one um, because of the Mets. And uh, I do expect them to go over 257. I don't think they go over 277. So that limits them somewhat here. Um, but it still allows them to add the kind of other complementary pieces that I think they'll add. And we can talk about that more in a little bit. But um, I think the coolest thing about this deal, Paul, just sorry, I'm rambling, is that. No, it's a good ramble. Um, you know, it, it there's a chance that Aaron Nola plays only for the Phillies. And, yes. uh, you know, like however you feel about him, however you feel about this contract. And I have some thoughts about the contract we can we can talk to, we can get to. And um I think overall, the coolest part of this to me is that um, he shared a rotation with Cole Amos for 10 days in 2015, and he almost certainly will be sharing a rotation with Andrew Painter and any other younger pitchers that come up through the system, you know, moving forward mm-hmm. and being that link and possibly being the longest tenured pitcher in this franchise's history, being up in the top three, top two of a lot of pitching records in this franchise's history, um, possibly playing for just the Phillies his entire career. That's pretty cool. 
And I think it's okay to feel that way. Even if you, if you have concerns or thoughts about the contract, uh, the chance for him to play for one team and one team only, it's so rare in this age. Uh, and I think it's kind of cool. Look, I'm right there with you. I, I don't know what the next couple of years are going to hold for Aaron Nola, right? You look at last year, bit of a disappointing year. You don't know if it's indicative of some kind of trend right now. You know, two of the last three years, the ERAs have been high, but he's always been a guy who sort of thrived on, you know, those peripheral stats, the the, the ratio of, of strikeouts to walks, which is a really big deal and isn't always reflected in ERA. It's always been great. Um, he's always been a guy who, you know, we've said this time and again, is is durable, dependable, gets outs, pitches in. One of the things that this deal does is it obscures and prevents us from seeing, thankfully, prevents us from seeing what the aftershocks would have been of trying to fill in those innings, right? Because in theory, you can think about, okay, we'll pick up this pitcher, and we're talking about, you know, not a great free agent pitching market right now. There are going to be a ton of suitors, you know, for the top two Japanese pitchers that are getting posted in uh, Shota Imanaga and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. It was not a sure thing that the Phillies would be, you know, even before no. signing Nola, be a top bidder on them or that they would even want to I'm come probably, here. Right. They're probably pivoting to Jordan Montgomery or Sonny Gray. Yeah. Okay. And now we have. <clears throat> and. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't well, done this in a while. So, I you know, know. We gotta shake off. We got to shake off the rust. I know. I was going to edit that out, but now I'm going to leave it in. Um, now we have a guy who is. Right now, we assume, still reliable for 180 innings. And that's like his floor right now, what you expect of him coming in. You can only say that of a handful of pitchers. And it's not just 180 you know, innings. Okay, fine, whatever. It's 180 quality innings. He's gotten you into the playoffs consecutive years. He's pitched well, for the most part, into those playoff runs. It's nice not to have the bad taste in his mouth of the game six loss against Arizona be, you know, the last time we saw Nola. Um, and yeah, you have the chance, you have the cool accessory opportunity of having a guy play his entire career with one franchise. That's cool to me. He's not going to be a hall of famer, but you don't have to be in order to get this chance to only play for one franchise. You know, you look at somebody like, you know, like Salvador Perez in Kansas City, right? Like he, mm. he is a champion. He's somebody who is almost certainly going to only ever play for the Kansas City Royals and is mm, he's probably not a Hall of Famer. But you have a guy now who is a franchise legend out there. Again, not quite apples to apples because he does have that title. But you have no, a guy like who's yeah. yeah, he's played a long time for one franchise. He's beloved out there. And he will go into, you know, the franchise's you know ring of honor or retired numbers or I don't know exactly what they call it out there, but that is such a, it's such a rare thing. And I, and I, I'm getting a little old head and complaining about this this way, because I, I think it's, it can sound a little outdated or like I'm railing against free agency or that. I think it's, you know, just older oh, back in my day, this you said that that's not really it. It just, it's a cool thing to watch somebody that the Phillies drafted now be signed to two large contracts and have the potential to carry him through his entire major league career on top of being a really good pitcher. That's really cool to me. I agree. And look, like I think I'm probably, I was on the record. I think with this, like I think we talked about it. Maybe just you and I have talked about, it. I know I've talked about this with other people. Cause I've been trying to canvas, you know, especially early in the off season when I was actually working, um, <laughs> You know, like, what does he get and what would you give him? And do you want to be the team that gives him what he's going to get? Yeah. And I've been on the record and saying is like, I don't know if I want to be the person who gives him this contract. Yeah. Uh, I have concerns about how it holds up because whereas the Zach Wheeler deal was paying for future performance and projection. Yes. You know, a lot of the NOLA deal is paying for past performance and reputation. And it's a very good reputation. It's a strong reputation. It's an important reputation as a workhorse. And, um, you know, five of the last six years and the only year was a, you know, was a COVID year. You know, he's pitched 180 innings and only other one of the guys done that. It's Garrett Cole, who's the highest paid pitcher ever. So, hey, I'll say young award winner. Yeah. You know, 
I, I do think that given the market conditions and the situation with, in which the team currently resides, this is probably a contract they had to do, right? I mean, like, I do think it's a decent compromise. He got the years he wanted. They got the AAV they generally wanted, from what I understand. Uh, and that's not a bad compromise. This is this is a contract that I had this in my my story at The Athletic. I think it's something like... Um, the you know like the 23rd highest AAV for a starting pitcher deal ever um and by the end of this offseason it could buy it probably be like yeah. the 10th highest current AAV for yeah, a starting pitcher lower. sure that's not bad like no. it's not um it's not restrictive it's not prohibitive it's not going to prevent them from doing other things in the future uh i just you know you wonder how this holds up <laughs> and yeah, you know, he's, he'll be 31 in June. Uh, I still think he has, you know, plenty of decent years left and you do this deal knowing that the last few years are probably, you're probably going to, you know, really have to just grin and bear it. Um, you know, he's probably a three or four, right. You know, by the end of this contract, probably. Yeah. And it's funny because like when they signed Cole Hamels to the contract that he signed, you're thinking, Oh, like, Maybe he's going to spend his whole career with the Phillies. Like it was a, yeah, it was a six yeah. year deal at the time. Uh, you know, it was signed in the middle of the 20, 20, it was a 2012 season. Yeah. It might've been 2012. Yeah. 12. I think sounds right. 2012. Yeah. So you're thinking, Oh, maybe he ends up spending the rest of his career here. And he, and you know, and then Hamill's played for, well, he got in the majors with what? Three other teams, Rangers, Cubs, Braves, signed with a bunch of others, never played for them. So you just don't know how they'll go, but uh, we'll see. I mean, like seven years is a lot. I don't think they're concerned about years six and seven, maybe not even year five, but because of the alternatives in the market, I almost feel like they had to do this. Now there's a scenario where they're like, let's wait, you know, let's, let's pursue Yamamoto who no doubt they are interested in, uh, they they're interested in him. They were going to bid on him. Uh, he gets posted today. Mm-hmm. We're doing this Monday. You get 45 days. You know, he probably signs before those, you know, 45 days are up. But let's say you decide to wait on Nola because you, you value Yamamoto more. And I think they did. I think they had Yamamoto ahead of Nola because of age. Okay. Um, he's generally, 25, though, right? Yeah. Like five 25, years difference. Yeah. You know, that's a huge you know, when you're doing your modeling and all these teams are, are doing a lot of contract uh, negotiations based on these predictive models, and I, it's, it's smart. Um, the age is a big thing, especially for a starting pitcher like that. Even with the unknown of him never throwing a pitch in the major leagues, right? Uh, you know that the models probably put him ahead of Noah, and so they could have they could have waited on Noah, and they could have tried to to you know go against a bunch of other teams for Yamamoto. Now, all of a sudden, as they're doing that, Nola signs with, say, the Braves. And now you lose out on Yamamoto. He gets $210 million over seven or eight years, let's say, which I think is reasonable. I think he's going to get somewhere around that. And now, all of a sudden, you've lost your one and two or your 1A and 1B options. Mm -hmm. And you're into middle of December or early December, and now you're really... You're really trying to figure out what to do with those innings. And I think that's why they just, they did this now. Um, it was a good, decent compromise, I think. I think it's also fair to be concerned about how this deal goes, whether his durability, that carrying trait, how long that can hold up for. Uh, all reasonable, but also I can understand why this deal was done right now. Look, I, I'm into it personally. And, and I think there is going to be a time where they pay the piper. You know, we, we, we see... You know, we see these the Phillies loading up on on these deals for good players. It's not, you know, it's not just like they're doing it to do it. I know Aaron Nola is like he's he's a polarizing figure on the field because sometimes it can just leave him or he has those big innings that just sort of let the game get away from him. And it happens. Okay, fine. He's still one of the best pitchers in the world. It's just straight up. He's only made one all star team, but that's not really reflective of what he's saying. He's got three top 10 Cy Young award finishes. He's, you know, we talk about it all the time and it sounds kind of boring, but the durability thing and the ability to just 
get those outs over a full season, not have to share that spot in the rotation with another pitcher, barely ever. You know, how, how many times are we seeing these teams have to cobble together a sum of 180 innings from three guys in a single rotation spot while also making, you know, making sure they have enough arms of volume to make it through the season. That is one thing you don't have to worry about or have not had to worry about with Nola. Now he's still 30, right? It's going to be technically his age 31 season starting next year. You don't expect that he's going to be really, you know, top 10 Cy Young award finish when he's 38. 37 or even necessarily 36 that's fine but if he can keep that 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 big trait the thing that you put on the marquee that durability i know it's not sexy it's really not but it's so important it's so important to save arm the the cascading effects of being able to rely on a guy to give you six innings a start in the way we're, we're currently strategizing these games game by game to reliably get that over the course of a full season and still have a decent amount of gas in the tank for the postseason. It's just so big and, and, and so critical to the way this team is built and what they are aspiring toward for these next couple of years. Their window is still obviously wide open. They need to have the ability to one, get through the regular season without shuffling through 50 pitchers, have guys who can reliably eat bulk, whether that starts in the first inning or wherever it is. Okay. Strategy is what strategy is. This is a a guy who starts from, you know, the first pitch of the game. You need to get that. You need to get that through. And then you need to have a guy who can give you quality innings. Even if it's only in a four inning burst, you know, durability is, is great. If he can get you six or seven in the playoffs these days, that's just an enormous bonus. If you can get four quality innings, five quality innings in the playoffs, which he has given the Phillies more often than not. It makes sense to keep a guy like that around. And then you sprinkle on top of it the fact that, yeah, we're getting the reports come out. Yeah, he left money on the table. Yeah, he had he had quote unquote better offers elsewhere. You know, that's 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 nice. It's not everything. <laughs> it, it, it's nice. It's nice to hear that, you know? And it's a good sort of olive branch to the people who are kind of over Nola. There are people who just aren't going to come around, and I, I get it. He, he is frustrating, but at times he's frustrating. On the whole, for the balance of his career, for the balance of each individual season, he is one of the best pitchers in this game. And to reach out and be like, hey, look, let's keep the dialogue open. Let's not let these failed negotiations from the spring hang over our heads. Everybody stuck to their guns. They didn't negotiate during the season. It cost Nola maybe, you know, a a little bit in terms of total value. If he had had a better season. Yeah, yeah, no, if he has a better season, he's making more. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Um, yes. But he gets the years. And the Phillies are, you know, this is their thing now. They're willing to stretch these out. We don't know what the end years are going to look like on these deals. But what I know and what I take into all these is I don't think any contract is immovable. It gets harder when there are more years to move. But nothing is immovable. So you have to pay down a little money. Okay. You still save some if that's what your concern is. And then you have the ability to open up a roster spot. And again, we're getting so far down the line. It is not set in stone that Aaron Nola is going to be limping out there at age 38 to, you know, Adam Eaton this. Like that is not what we're, sorry to the stray for Adam Eaton. That is just (laughs) not what we're, that's not what we should be thinking about here. Every, we, we get caught up in the numbers and they're they're big numbers. You don't typically think that you give, you know, 170 million to a guy who put up a four and a half ERA in his walk year. You know, OK, I get that that doesn't sit so great. But when Aaron Nola is at his best. he He's a 200 million dollar pitcher. You hope you have that for a couple more years and the 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 tax, quote unquote, you pay on that is paying him until, you know, he's in his late 30s when it's a little less certain that he'll be as good or as durable. The one other thing, too, that we know is that, you know, these these deals look a lot different three, four years down the line. Like, let's take Bryce Harper, for example, right? Bryce right now, and this is from Cots Contracts, on uh, which Baseball Prospectus now hosts, and it's an invaluable resource, and it's great. Mm -hmm. Um, 
right now, and I hope this is totally up to date. I think it is. Um, he has the 41st highest AAV in baseball history. That's not current <laughs> AAV, you know, among current contracts. First. <laughs> but like, you know, Nola's 24.6 million AAV come 2028. Maybe that's just like a drop in the bucket. I don't know. Like, we don't know where yeah. the sport is headed or what right. pitchers are going to be valued at by then or, you know, whatever. But let's be real. The most important years of this deal are the first three or four years. Yeah. And the Phillies are built to contend right now. They are spending a lot of money to try to contend right now. They got within two wins of a championship two years ago. They should have won another pennant this past year. Uh I, I don't think there's like that much that needs to be changed as a whole for this roster. And people might get upset uh, with that take, but I, I, you know, I'm not saying you totally just run it back, but I think the, you know, the pieces are the pieces you are, you know, you are what you are right now, given some of the deals that you've given out, uh, given, you know, the lack thereof of like impact sort of prospects at the top of your system there are guys that are coming, but probably not, you know, really this this coming year in 2024. So uh, you, you've got to really lean into these high payrolls for these next few years. Uh, that's just how you're built. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, we'll worry about 2028 if and when it ever arrives on this planet. Uh, so let's let's think about the let's think about the rest of the roster being built around Nola, being built around some of the other guys who are locked in. We have a good idea, again, that this team is, you know, like you were saying, basically getting run back, which, okay, good. They made the NLCS two years in a row. Hello. If you were alive from, you know, 2014 to 17, this is a, this is a good thing <laughs> as opposed to the alternative. 2012 to 20. 21 <laughs> trying to shorten the window of painful memories here but most of the team is coming back I, I think there are there are still a couple of open questions right one of them on the offensive side just to switch gears a little bit is in the outfield because there's still something unsettled there to me yes. you know we, we 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 talked throughout the year about brandon marsh and how his usage was just hmm. It was a little puzzling for a team that outwardly said, yeah, this is we believe this is an everyday guy. We believe that he's a big contributor. He would come up with some, you know, in the playoffs and in the regular season, some big hits against left handed pitching. Looked like he could hold his own. Uh, still not really certain if that's what they're going to do, if he's actually going to play every day or if there's something else they might be looking at in left or center field. Jake Cave was not just tendered a contract, but guaranteed his contract for the coming year. Hmm? I don't know if it's fully guaranteed. So, all right, let, let's actually, let's actually work this through here because this is where we get into roster minutia. And I, I, I love to this get the stuff, deal. I'm still waiting for yeah, the, yeah. the actual language of the deal. The way it looked like it was reported is among the slew of, you know, announcements leading up to the the arbitration contract tender deadline which happened uh later last week it came out that jake cave had agreed to terms on a contract for 2024 now things get a little hazy when we talk about guys who are pre-arb who reach agreements that like aren't multi-year or you know not in january or february as we approach you know some of these hearings and the language of these announcements can sometimes be a little bit iffy right Around the same time, Dylan Covey and Garrett Stubbs were also uh, announced as being guaranteed money for 2024. They each got 850000 Cave was guaranteed a million. Where things get a little uncertain is whether this is, like we're saying right now, and some of those contracts are split contracts, by the way, so there's prorated stuff that goes in if they're in the minors right. and blah, blah, blah. What I think we're looking at here is I'm going into this assuming that Jake Cave has been given a major league deal 40 man spot is assured he's on the team and will start making a million dollars when the season starts when and the that season that starts. yeah yes and that that is locked in where if he is dfa released taken off the books in some form or fashion that is his money for 2024 
Mm-hmm. Like he will make a million dollars. It's possible that if they made a move in spring training that he wouldn't be guaranteed all that. But I do want to provide some context here. And I actually had to think about this myself. Uh-huh. Do you know what the major league minimum is going to be this coming year? Upcoming is it year? like 760? 740. 740. Okay. okay. So like. I'm not saying a million dollars is nothing, but to the Phillies, it's <laughs> right, basically nothing. Right, and that's yeah. crazy to say that. And like Covey and Stubbs get eight fifty. I mean, that's like barely above the league minimum. Uh, and I do, you know, Covey as for now, again, staying on the forty man all winter. I do think that that's going to happen. So mm-hmm. uh, that should that should have the tender decision should have uh, hammered that home. But, uh I don't know. Like, I, I do think there's there's different language in some of these deals. I'm still waiting to get um, the language on all three of those deals because I'm curious. I am curious. I want to know some of the details. But there are there are some stipulations with like these arbitration deals. Sometimes they're not fully guaranteed, and also there's this termination pay thing. Like in spring training, like you only right. owe, if you cut him by a certain time, you only owe him uh, like one sixth of the salary or something like that. I don't know. Um, again, though, like I, I don't think that the the cave decision has guaranteed him a spot on the roster come opening day or guaranteed him a million dollars yet. As far as I know. Okay. Um, And also like, you know, I know this might seem like forever ago. Remember they did sign Josh Harrison um, last year and I I forget what, what did they guarantee him? Like two and a half million. Uh, Yeah. Something small like that, you know, and, and and they probably held on him to held on to him for too long, but they did end up cutting ties when they just were like, this isn't going to work. So a million dollars. I, I just, um, I don't think it's really going to hinder them from making a decision if they're like, well, we got no. somebody who we think is better. But it, I think in the broader terms of the roster, as you're getting to, like, the, you know, if you are running it back generally with your core players, and I count about, I don't know, like 18 to 20 players that are pretty much guaranteed spots on this team moving forward, um, you can improve around the edges. And I think that is, that's like kind of where they go now. Like the, the, the bullpen, I do think they'll get another reliever. Um, I, I do think I don't believe Dave Dombrowski when he says that they're pretty much set offensively. I don't believe that. And that's not to say that I believe they're going out and getting another big bat because I don't think that either. I do think, though, that they could look for a better complementary right handed bat, you know, uh-huh. maybe one that plays the outfield or um, could be a fourth outfielder, sort of bench bat type. Um, there's there's not a great <laughs> the free agent market for hitters this year is horrible, like actually bad. <laughs> Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they try to trade there now. I'm sure many teams are are looking at that too. So, um, I do think there's spots where they can really upgrade around the edges, uh, and make this just a better, deeper roster. Uh, and I think, you know, moving forward, like that's, that's probably the mission the rest of the way. I mean, like they got their biggest business done, I think, uh, before Thanksgiving here. So then in terms of. Thinking of the next edition or next couple of editions for this team, in terms of that payroll that we were talking about, right? Like on on Fangraphs, they have another basically invaluable resource called Roster Resource that I I lean on very heavily. They do a good job of estimating payroll and all the things that go into it. You know, we're talking about hidden costs like benefits and and other things that all go into luxury tax payroll for the competitive balance tax. And currently, as things stand based on some of the projected arbitration numbers that have still to be decided. You know, we're talking about guys like Ranger, Greg Soto, Jeff Hoffman, Alec Bohm is ARB eligible for the first time. You know, those are some numbers that are going to come in. Nobody's going to be making 10 million among that group, but you know, we'll have a couple, you know, multi-million dollar uh, figures for this coming year. Currently the Phillies sit at an estimated payroll of 252. Now we were just talking about the tiers of the tax, right? So the baseline tax for 2024 goes up 4 million from last year. It's 237. And what is it? 277 begins that 42 and a half. Yeah, 42 and a half percent surcharge on whatever is over that. It's right, just it, another the 257. 257 is that th- is the second tier. And I, yes. I think if they're if they're at yeah, Fangrass roughly has them at 252. And it's a, it's not a uh, it's not like a set number because it changes during the year and is, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that go into it, like you said. But um, if they're already at about 252 on there, um, yeah, I mean, they're going over 257. That That's yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm, I've been told that they're willing to do that, that they're probably going to do that, that they're going to have to do that essentially uh, to make this work. And so then we would think maybe it wouldn't happen this winter, 
but it seemed like there was for the right guy flexibility to go over that next level. I don't know who that would be. I mean, that's another huge deal. The third but, level, 277? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, I know everyone wants to talk about Yamamoto, and and, and I'll, sp- I'll spend just a few minutes on it. Um, no, I don't think they're going to sign him in addition to Aaron Nola. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's realistic. I, okay. Um, it's interesting to use there's like there's different ways to use words here and it's i'm 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 interested to see how the words have been used okay but like (laughs) okay so like you know i'm interested in losing weight i'm interested in getting a big raise at work i'm interested in global peace uh (laughs) i would love that yeah um the phillies might be interested and they are interested in signing yamamoto i i I think there are significant barriers to to that happening, and and I, and okay. I thought that even before signing Aaron Nola, like they, like it's not going to happen now, okay? Uh, because here's there 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 are other order of business that we haven't even gotten to, and this isn't really relevant to 2024. Um, it is that they 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 are really really interested, from what I understand, in extending Zach Wheeler. Uh, That's cool. he's a free agent after 2024, but those are the kind of conversations that you don't have until spring training. Um, you don't want it to affect your tax number for this year, right? So if you had those conversations in spring training, I believe you can treat it as a separate extension and whatever his new AAV is, um, you know, would not kick in until 25, I think. Uh, so let's say again, in our fantasy world, like you're signing, <laughs> let's say you're signing Yamamoto to a $200 million plus deal. Uh-huh. Uh, and now you have, a pitcher in Nola who's got 24 and a half million AV basically you have Yamamoto who's like I think it's going to be close to 30 a year like I do like I think he's gosh I mean seven times 30 is 210 and I think that's I think that's totally in his range so then all of a sudden you have Wheeler whose current AV is like 23.6 ish mm-hmm. um, let's say he signs a new contract that's like hmm gosh probably be a little bit of a raise yeah it'd be a raise somewhere between 25 and 30 av like let's say a three-year 27 and a half what's that three and 82 yeah yeah somewhere around there um you have taiwan walker who's making you know he's got an 18 av for three more years yeah um that's just not sustainable this just won't work like you cannot invest um you know roughly 30 uh god 100 million in your aav in four starters um especially when you have a <laughs> a, a, a shortstop who's got 27 million dollar av a first baseman now who has a 25 million dollar av you have a, a catcher who's got 23 for two more years it's just and that all this said like first of all there's gonna be a lot of competition for yamamoto um, I, I don't know how mutual the interest would be. Um, the Phillies have not signed a player from Japan uh, ever. Um, there are two players who played for them. So Taguchi and Tadi Gucci, uh, you know, were, were free agent signings and they haven't had a Japanese player since 2009. Um, it's like almost 15 years. So uh, the pipeline is not there and that doesn't matter. Like, there's little things matter. And and I'm not saying that Yamamoto would be flying commercially, but there are no direct flights from Philadelphia to Japan uh, commercially. And these little things, like I, I do think they matter in terms of pursuing uh, a foreign player. And the Phillies have increased their presence in Japan the last few years. There's no doubt. Um, they actually hired, do you remember uh, Akinori Otsuka, the uh, reliever? Texas Rangers. Probably, I remember on the yeah, Rangers. Padres yeah. Rangers. Well, his son, uh, his son is now a Phillies scout. Oh, really? Um, oh, that's cool. He played baseball collegiately at the University of San Diego. Um, he uh, he's one of their like Japanese scouts. I think they maybe have two now. They they really have never had many. <laughs> um, but uh, he he was around a lot during the year. Um, he's younger. I think he's right about the same age as Yamamoto. Um, and and I think he's been helping them kind of in this uh, sort of navigate. I guess some of this. And his dad is is still his dad is a pitching coach for a, a, a Japanese team, and I, I just there are a lot of barriers here. Uh, 
Yamamoto is going to sign the biggest contract a Japanese pitcher has ever signed, like, you know, outside of whatever Otani gets. And he's not technically just a pitcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Phillies just gave out the biggest contract they've ever signed to a pitcher. And uh, even then, um, yeah. you know, had to be swayed to get to seven years. Uh, I just, you know, maybe it was realistic before, more realistic. I still, I would have given them, like, before the Noah deal, I would have given them, like, a 15% chance of signing Yamamoto, even if they were, like, one of the higher bidders. And I think they would have been up there. That's a decent um, chance, honestly, all told. Yeah, 10 to 15%, somewhere around there. Um don't know where he's going to go. I know that a lot of people in baseball circles think that the Mets are um, a really strong candidate for him. Uh, there's just so much unknown, right? And like, you need to be able to onboard a guy like that. You probably need to go to six man rotation, at least for the first half of the year. You need to hire support staff. It's just an infrastructure that the Phillies have never had to think about or deal with. And uh, there's just a lot to it. And, like, I'm not saying they took the easy way out by signing Aaron Nola to a seven-year, $172 million deal, but um, there's just more familiarity. And for a team that's trying to win right now immediately, uh, I think that they valued that. They valued the known, um, and, and that, 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 that took precedent for them. So um, to get over that 257 mark, like, I think they'll get there in terms of payroll. I do think they'll sign another reliever. I think there's some maneuvering, some massaging of some of, like, the, the – the, the offensive pieces, especially in the bench and maybe in the outfield, like you mentioned, Paul. Um, but I think the rotation is kind of like what you see right now. Uh, I think it's Wheeler, Noel, Walker, Suarez, and Sanchez. And I do think you try to add some depth where you can. There are a bunch of like one-win type starters on free agency. Um, mm -hmm. You can sign one of those guys to be a swingman maybe. Um, you sign a couple guys to go to AAA. I do think McAble at some point, you know, will be reasonable, like usable major league depth for them this year. Right. Um, you know, if there's an injury, like can McAble come up and pitch in rotation for a month during the summer? Uh, why not? Like he should be at this point. Uh, I think that's something that they, they penciled in. Like they don't expect him to be making 30 starts in the majors, but like if they need have a need for a month or six weeks um, and he's pitching well at AAA, like, yeah, go ahead. Like that should be, this should be a time where he can be, when he can contribute. Um, and then moving forward, of course, like Andrew Painter factors into the rotation plans, you know, 2025 and beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think this is their big rotation move, and I don't really see how they could even think about adding another one. If they added if they added another huge contract, they would have to move off of another one. Uh, and you mentioned earlier that not every, con every contract is tradable. I, I don't know how many tradable contracts they have right now. Like, who would they move off of if they added, like, a $30 million AV player? Well, yeah. <laughs> of, of course, now I need to come back in and add the asterisk, as we do with everything baseball-related. It's movable, not necessarily for something great. Uh, just, but, you know, to clear the roster space. But to that point, <laughs> you, you can move Castellanos. Uh, it, it's doable. No, I, I think it's doable. That. I don't know about that. Well, look, 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 look. look I think look. they try. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. And you'd have to pay down some of it. I think we we mentioned this a few weeks or or a month or two ago, maybe whenever it was. Yeah, you're not gonna get somebody's you know top five, top ten system prospect. No, but if you're but if your goal is if you if you're bringing another thirty million AAV player, or whatever, hypothetically Yamamoto. You're trying to just get rid of the money, right? You're just trying to get rid of money. The only way to get rid of all the money is you're probably uh, going to attach a prospect of your own to get rid of that money. Well, if your goal is to clear every single cent of it to try and offset, yeah, okay. If we're if we're if we're getting into like accounting tricks, which you would have to in this case, you know, as much as like I want to, as much as it's you know I come at it from the fan perspective of hey, it's not my money because it it literally is not, and I want this team to you know get as many good players as they can whatever the price tag, if, if they want to come here, I, I know that there is a limit out there somewhere because otherwise they'd just be giving every player that they wanted $30 million a year and paying them and being fine with that. It's just, that's, that's not it. There is a limit out there somewhere. I get it. Yeah. And we can't complain. I mean, once the Padres shed the money, they're going to set shed this off season. Um, you assume the Mets and Yankees will add a little more. Maybe the Dodgers spend some, the Phillies are probably the third or fourth highest payroll in baseball this upcoming year. And if you want to, quibble with them not going over 
you know, the second threshold, which would be 257. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm sorry, not going over the third threshold, which is 277. You know, there'll be somewhere between 257, 277. You can, if you want, I, I don't, I don't know if I can, like, I just like, that's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good commitment. Like, and it puts you right up there. They're actually, the Phillies are actually in what I would call a, a really good spot this off season. Like we already, we already knew the team was good. They've been to the LCS two years in a row, but they're in a good spot this off season now already where, and I like this point as it related to Abel specifically, we're probably going to have a couple of opportunities to see these like minor league spring training invite, you know, lower rung additions play a part this year. And that's probably what we have to look forward to for the rest of the off season. Okay. That's the price you pay for taking care of business early. Fine. <laughs> you live with and that. For, and for signing, you know, like multiple large contracts in yeah. each of the last, you know, three, four or five off seasons. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you talk about the, and I don't have good names off the top of my head. I would need to, you know, sit down and actually look at some of this, but um, you know, Mick Abel fits in here really well because most of the rotation is set. But if we do, you know, try and look at it from a realistic kind of grounded perspective, you can count on Nola for durability. You expect Nola to have durability. You expect Wheeler to still have some durability. You expect those two guys to pitch, you know, a good amount of innings. Walker, for his faults, you do also expect some durability there. You expect those three guys to, all of them, each on their own, pick up 150 plus innings next year. Where things get a little iffy is where we talk about Ranger over the course of a full season. It's never been the most durable. Right. And Christopher Sanchez, who has also not pitched a full season in one single role. You expect him to be a starter. What does that look like? You're going to need multiple guys in both of those rotation spots to get that sum of innings. And Abel is also not somebody you expect to pick up a full season of major league innings or have that workload. So he works really well as part of that equation, whether it's 50 innings, whether it's 75 innings, whether we start pushing a hundred, I don't know if he taps up tops a hundred. Maybe he does at the major league level. Maybe he does. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, that would be, there's probably been multiple injuries. Yeah. Like that's, that's probably not great. Or he's had, you know, the most amazing off season leap and comes into spring, you know, looking like Justin Verlander. I don't know. Um, but you have that total and you plug that into what you expect. You know, Rangers say you only get 130 or expect 130, 140. Well, hell, if you can add 50 from Abel, it's obviously not that simple and things have to fit into a rotation, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking at it from a really high level here. You add in McAble, you start to get him some of that work, start to get him accustomed to the major league level. Well, hey, now you've figured out four of your five rotation spots from a, a rough innings total. You know, it, it we're at a point where things are continuously just going to get less and less sexy with the additions. I think I, w- <laughs> I would love to I would love to see somebody like Yamamoto Excuse or Imanaga or, you know, I, I just one of these guys who you know, could make a real, another Look, real serious hey, impact. We're spoiled. Only, by it. only one seven year pitcher contract per off season. <laughs> right. And if that's, if that's our floor now, and this is three off seasons where we've just kind of had, maybe honestly more, it's just been, it's been a long stretch of years where the Phillies have just been like, yeah, let's get this guy. And they're getting them. And I know like that. I just, I, I would love to have some more in our pockets. There isn't really a whole lot of space to do that without some complimentary yeah. moves and maybe you make it work, but yeah, they're in a good well, that, spot. Right. That's the thing. It's like, okay, you say, okay, let's, <clears throat> we want to add, mm-hmm. we want to add another big spot or another yeah. big player. Mm-hmm. Where, where, like, I'm just wondering, like, who are you <laughs> right. replacing? Now I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about the roster and the, right. the way it's constructed. It's really just the bullpen or the bench. It's, it's really just the, bullpen the, or the bench. Maybe right? center me. Yeah, maybe center field. Okay. Uh, what are you going to do? Trade for Mike Trout right now? Like, look, as much as I no. want to tinfoil that, I, I, it's not happening. I don't right think now. he's getting traded. Yeah, I, it's, it's not happening right now. So that's it. That's what you're looking at. You're probably looking at, you know, a guy who can split duty at, at you know, left field or center field at the plate. Maybe, a, a you know, a, a platoon guy. Maybe Rojas right. doesn't make the opening day roster. I don't know. Like, there's still no, probably, some. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, probably not. Like, they're probably looking for another righty bat who can play. An upgrade over Chris Pache, I guess. Yeah, like, that's, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's what we're yeah. at. 
And that's okay. That it is enviable to be at that point in late November in your offseason. If you are that comfortable with so much of your team, which has played out that way with deep playoff runs, you know, the proof is in the pudding here. It's an enviable position to be in. It's a great position to be in. And yeah, I know and right now that- you're in a spot where you can roster for now, Pache yeah. and Sosa and Cave and Rojas and say, those are guys right now, but we have the capability to upgrade from those spots and the cost of getting rid of those guys or sending them to the minors is not great. It's not prohibitive. Exactly. Exactly. Same with like Christopher Sanchez, who like, I think it was interesting how they pushed him at the end of the year. Like he did throw way more innings than he had in any previous season. And the results were decent. Like, I don't know what he's going to be, but like right now, like canvas the rest of the league and compare fifth starters. He's, like he's probably in the top 10, maybe even one of the better fifth starters on paper right now in baseball. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know what he's going to get, give you, but like, let's say he's, uh, 70 to 80% of what he was for that really good stretch. That's a, Mm -hmm. that's a really solid fifth starter. You know, if there's one thing to really be curious and curiously excited about for this year, it's him for me. It's Chris Sanchez for me. Like if we are, if we are finally, if we are finally committed to seeing him take the ball every fifth day and to be a starter and to not bounce back and forth, we, we can't guarantee that as we sit here right now. But if that's what he's going to be, and if that changeup is real, and it it looks like it might be real, I am excited to see what he can give you because that could be the difference between, you know, I don't know if it gets you closer in contention to the division. It sure doesn't hurt. I don't know that the Braves win, you know, 104 game. I don't, I don't remember what they won. Who cares? Yeah, Braves are having a really interesting offseason. Yeah, they're, they, they are. won 104 last year, and they currently have 30 they out on Nola. their 40-man roster. <laughs> yeah, they, they missed out on Nola. I, you know, who knows what that front office is doing at any point in time because they're so tight-lipped about everything. There's the thought that they're going to do some kind of big move. I don't know. They're just, Sonny I like Gray how, feels like a brave to me. Yeah, that makes some sense. I, I like how the first move was to kind of prey on the, the new front office installed with the White Sox and just <laughs> give them five bits of 40 man dreck for, you know, Aaron an Bummer. interesting, it might be you good. know, Aaron Bummer has had some kind of ugly ERAs, but this is a guy who hasn't given up a home run to a left handed batter in like four years or something like that. So just, you know, keep an eye on that. And all they did was just kind of pick up his extra money. Yeah, whatever. All right. So you're praying on that. Um. Look, it it puts the Phillies into a better position to contend for the division. Long season, anything can happen. And potentially, maybe, put themselves in the catbird seat of getting a little more rest. Getting the chance to have that buy. To not have to sweat the best of three series. I get that they have eliminated the Braves the last two years. Yeah, no. The the buy is not bad for me. I want the guys to get rested. The the Braves are the ones who who could come through. No, you make a better point here about the overall health of the division, right? Yeah. Marlins have made a change. Uh, I don't think... I mean, they don't have Sandy Alcantara all next year, which is really a shame that we're not Mm going to be able to see him pitch next year. Um, I, I don't think... I think they're doing a soft rebuild i don't know they're trying to become the rays obviously yeah Uh, good luck uh (laughs) the nationals are the nationals uh the mets you know we believe are going to be in some sort of transition type year uh even if they still competitive right even if they still in in yamamoto right now the starting pitchers right now the mets rotation i guess projected rotation is senga quintana mcgill lucchesi and jose buto hmm I hope I said that name right. You did. David Peterson had hip surgery. I mean, like they're obviously going to sign a starter, but it's kind of unclear like how, uh, you know, they're not going for it. It (laughs) in capital letters in 2024 doesn't mean they're not going to be competitive because I do think they will be competitive and I do think they will be active this offseason. And and again, I did mention before, I think, uh, you know, they are a very strong potential landing spot for Yamamoto. Mm -hmm. But the overall division. Yeah. I mean, like. Uh, can't expect the Braves to win 104 again. You can't expect the Phillies to win 90 again, but uh, I, I do think they'll be closer on paper. I think uh, Phillies probably would be wise to not start off 
poorly again for the first yes, two please. months of a season for like yes, the third please. year in a row. Um, and that might knock, you know, not knock them out of the division race uh, <laughs> yeah. by June one. What a concept. Um, but yeah, you make a good point. I mean, the way the division is structured, it's like, how much do you feel like you need to, um, yeah, how much more do you feel like you need to add to your roster? Um, I don't know. Fair question. But I think around the edges, there are improvements for them to make. And I think there's another reliever for them to go get, not Josh Hader, but another solid setup type, you know, that could help you with velocity. Like Jordan Hicks is an interesting guy to me. I don't know what kind of deal he's going to get. Mm. Um, there could be a lot of interest in him. So maybe he, that knocks him out of like the range where they're expecting, but uh, he's interesting to me. That's a good name to pull from the pile. Um, you know, he's always had such huge velocity numbers, but he's kind of like in that, just for, you know, to indulge a quick tangent, he's kind of always been like Kelvin Herrera to me. Somebody yeah, who's always flashed some big, yeah, some like some big numbers and stuff. But the, the, the performance has never really matched up with all of the excitement around. Like he'll throw 104, Jordan Hicks will. Yeah. But he'll walk a lot of guys or he yep. won't like, you know, he won't have the overpowering like prime Andrew Miller type, you know, strike out to walk stuff that you would expect from somebody who's got all the, all, all the stuff. Oh, he's got all these big numbers. He hasn't really harnessed it that way. Like he's good, but I don't know. Yeah. If he starts getting big numbers, just based on the fact that he can throw 117, then uh, okay. Maybe you pass. What if, they bring like the what if they bring Hector home? I would love that. I love Hector so much. <laughs> I love he, him. He, his stuff is definitely uh, ticking downward. I mean, God, he's, it is. It is. Holy crap. He is going to be 35 in June. God, that makes me, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, but he, he's, he's wants a few more guys. But. He's, you know, really solid last year's, and you wouldn't be signing him to be your closer. You'd be signing him to be your seventh inning, sixth inning kind of guy, uh, mm-hmm. depth reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the role that he should be in. Yeah, go figure. Hmm. No, I'd love that. But it that is the kind of thing we're talking about, right? Like a one, maybe two-year deal. For... Right, because think about their bullpen. It's like, it's pretty yeah. much, I don't say it's done, but I mean, you have six guys right now that you're saying are pretty much on my opening day roster. Mm-hmm. Alvarado. Dominguez, Hoffman, Soto, Strom, Kirkering. That's yep. six. And also to your point about innings, like we also now know that Strom can do the swing role. And if they do need him to be a starter for, say, a month, um, it works. It can be done. I, dude is unbelievably valuable. I know. I know. Like I, I beat this drum maybe a little too hard, but I, I thought what Matt Strom did last year was unreasonably cool. Like just absolutely when they, when they had to get through April and May without Ranger with like very little in the tank, this guy came out and for four innings at a time, every fifth day looked unbelievable and then still had enough in the tank to be a good reliever down the stretch. Like that's just, it's fantastic. I'm glad he's back Um, or still signed. I guess I should say, but yeah, that's what we're looking at here. The team is in a good spot. They're mostly set. There isn't a whole lot to do. And Thankfully, in an offseason where they don't have a lot left to do, it's not a huge amount of supply that they're really missing out on. It's not like they're, you know, locked into an aging, bad, underperforming roster while, you know, five superstars still hang out there on sign. That's not it's not where we're at right now uh, in this particular offseason. So they're in, the, the math is adding up all of the equations, not just on payroll, but like the way the roster is constructed, what we're looking to get like it's just. It's good. It's good. It may make for a couple of boring months leading up to pitchers and catchers in in two months, a little less than two months from now. But that's okay. You take that. I take that anyway. I'm okay with it. Uh, Last one for you. Yeah. Uh, Where do you think Hoskins goes? Oh, man. I've tried not to think too hard about this because it still kind of bums me out that the last chance he had to ride with a really special Phillies team was spent on the sidelines and in the dugout Um, because he was to me the, the turning point in this franchise. He comes up in late 2017 lights the world on fire. And I'm like, Oh man, are we finally back? Like, is this really the thing? And you know, it it probably happened a little bit later than that, but basically, yes, that's where I mark the, the shift out of the dark years. And so to see him leave, it, it bums me out a little bit. Anyway, enough vamping. I think there are a lot of places that Reese Hoskins could go. I think one thing to watch is whether somebody is willing to 
try and do what the Phillies have done and stretch out and give him a second year. I don't know if that's likely or even necessarily going to happen. I think it's possible that some team could do that. I would look at, you know, I wonder what, I wonder what Detroit thinks about its situation. They have Spencer Torkelson at first base. Sure. But Miguel Cabrera is done. The DH spot you assume is opening up. And they are probably going to start shifting into a different kind of gear. They played better in the second half. You know, I've long had eyes on, you know, Tarek Skubal, one of their starting pitchers as a trade candidate. But they're probably going to keep some of these guys and try and build off of what they had late last year. I would wonder if Detroit doesn't emerge as some kind of interesting pillow for Reese. Um, He could certainly help that offense. You know, Detroit was near the bottom of the American league in a lot of categories. I think adding somebody like him could really be a help. Um, that's one, that's one that jumps to mind. Yeah. I think, I think the Cubs are a good spot for him. Cubs are a good spot too. Yeah. And that's a spot where he could, he, he's definitely he got a better shot of winning. Place. Yeah. Right. I wonder, uh, how about all the Brewers stuff, right? Like, uh, be very interesting to see if Corbin Burns gets traded. Uh, yeah. Well, if they're non-tendering Brandon Woodruff, if they don't feel like they can work something out where, you know, they can guarantee him enough to get that second year in there so that he comes I mean, I back after injury with them. There's then, big like, money concerns in Milwaukee right now. And they're yeah, among the teams that, that have the uncertain TV situation. Uh, and I do right. think that, that is like a major, uh, a major thing this offseason uh, with the teams that face that situation. Uh, the twins are cutting payroll. They're in the same situation. Padres are in their own sort of situation, uh, oh given boy. all the situation, yeah. um, you know, the owner dying. And um, they also have an uncertain TV situation and they are obviously trimming payroll. So, um, yeah. you know, the Cardinals are, I think, in a similar boat. Um, and Derek Gould from the San Luis Post Dispatch reported that they had not even made an offer to NOLA. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. They, uh, they're in a really weird spot. The Cardinals are, uh, I think a team to, that is confusing to me right now. And I'm, I'm wondering what they do this winter because I think there's some payroll issues there too. You want another dark horse? Sure. I think the Yankees for Hoskins, mm. because I think, you know, Stanton is still there at their DH and, and you know, whatever his situation is. I think there's gotta be a lot of uncertainty about Anthony Rizzo after his, you know, concussion, maybe it was even plural. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot happening at first base right now for them. You know, that, that could yeah, be something the issue is too. just you just don't know how much like I think it's it's again depend on how a team views Hoskins. Like, is he playing 100 games at first base or is he playing 70 games at first base or 60 games at first base? Because it Very is the fair. first year back from ACL. And, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't the best uh, defensive first baseman before that. So he no. stands to reason that he probably needs to split his time uh, between first base and DH, uh, at least this year and maybe moving forward. So, um Yeah. To me, I, he I, he feels like a winter meeting signing to me. So like in a couple of weeks when everybody convenes, you know, early in December, he feels like a guy who goes off the board during that week just based on maybe. nothing. Maybe. Anything else on your mind? I am thinking a lot about what I'm going to eat for Thanksgiving. I am thinking about so much food. That's what's on my mind. That, see, this is this is what we've cleared the deck for, right? Like the Phillies have taken care of most of their business. Now I can think about all the leftovers I'm going to eat. I can think about all the giant turkey sandwiches I'm going to make. I can think about all the cookies I'm going to eat. It's just, it, it's great. This is this is the kind of thing I need to put my mind toward lately. So I'm, I'm glad I have the opportunity to have my baseball team be in a good enough position where they're, you know, locked in on a pennant contender and they only need to update around the edges. And I can speculate about whether they're going to give a minor league invite to Josh Stallmont. Like that's just, that's where we're at. I can focus wow, on Josh Thursday. Stallmont. That's yeah. You're here like in the leaves here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. This is what I do. This is how I fill my days. Um, how about you, Matt? What's on your mind as you go back after Nola's press conference this afternoon, as you go back into the, the cave of PTO? Uh, yeah. I mean, excited for Thanksgiving. Winter meetings are coming up, so I'll actually probably, you know, be back at uh, actually working. Uh, a little surprised they tendered Jake Cave. Yep, me too. But, 
million dollars, man. It's just not what it uh, doesn't mean what it used to mean. Man, <laughs> that's that's just where we're at, right? We're just a mildly surprised. They have, they have, they have some 40 man <laughs> churn to do. And actually, I, I've heard some interesting things about the picture they got from the Rays. Michael Mercado. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hard thrower, like hadn't been a reliever full time until last year. Um, you know, Rays were probably not going to be able to add him to their 40 man, but that's because the Rays always have a tight 40 man squeeze. So um, I, I do think that was a interesting pickup for them. There's a lot of guys still on the roster. I think are going to get, are going to get lopped off. Um, uh, you know, like Andrew Bellotti's out of options. Like, does he end up coming to camp with them still on the 40 man? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, they've done a good job collecting like right-handed, sort of up and down relievers, right? You have like this guy Mercado, then you have McKinley Moore and Luis Ortiz mm-hmm. and the big the big Y, Junior Marte, and yeah. Connor Brogdon is still there, still has an option left, I think. Um you know, uh I thought they made an interesting trade. Oliver Dunn, like um yes. he was a minor league rule five pick last year and you ended up turning him into you know, two lottery tickets who are a little younger and don't have to go on the 40 man roster. That's uh, that's all. <laughs> I mean, like maybe Oliver Dunn, they could have found a spot for him in the 40 and maybe he would have been a bench player for them this year. And maybe he'll be a solid bench player in the majors to the Brewers. But um, I think that was a, that was a, a, a solid win for them. Um, you know, maybe those two guys they got don't turn into anything, but um, you got two lottery tickets out of a minor league rule five uh, pick. That's uh that's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, you can extrapolate a little bit and say that the Phillies value Jake Cave as a lefty outfielder more than they thought, you know, yeah, squeezing done. Like, yeah, it's like Cody Clemens versus Oliver Dunn. That's more probably more of like a similar. Yeah. And then eventually over so set. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they have they Weston Wilson um, is, is, is on the 40 and they, they just have a glut of like these like sort of bench type um utility guys right um you know they also have uh you know they have clemens on the roster they have rodolfo castro's on the roster still weston wilson's on the roster um wasn't very surprised that they didn't add anyone for internally to the 40 man um they'll take a shot if i'm the a's or the rockies like i'm probably taking carlos de la cruz i don't think i don't know that they will but like i don't know like probably worth a shot i don't i don't know that anyone will um had a good season, a lot of swing and miss. Like he's kind of a freak. He needs some time. He's so tall. Um, but yeah, maybe they lose a reliever in the rule five, but probably not. Uh, it just wasn't a ton for them to protect. Speaking of which, I, I think, you know, just to tie off this last string of random thoughts here at the end of this episode, I, I do think that guaranteeing Stubbs money now means interesting things for Raphael Marchand, who is finally out of options. And I, I wonder... think he's getting another option. Did we already talk about this? Briefly. We might have. We might have. I think he's going to get a, a fourth option. I'm not 100% sure about that. I, I think he is, though. All right. I'm just going to say we did talk about this. And, but and Stubbs has <laughs> got an option left also. Um, it's true. And that is why his contract is a split contract, I believe. Yes. Um, because uh, yeah, they threw him a bone by, you know, if he does go to the minors, he would be making, you know, a little more than the typical minor league salary, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so by signing me that contract again, that is like 100 grand over the league minimum. Yeah. Um, they have not uh, necessarily, uh, you know, given him the backup job. Wouldn't be, you know, would be surprised if it's not him, but also I think they've you know, not set in stone. Well, there we go. We're all caught up. There it is. That's the last three weeks in a nutshell. And it really one hour long happened. I mean, that's no. it's like I took a lot of time off and I apologize to people who are, um, you know, wanting some Philly stuff. But I, I just um, never apologize for taking time for you, Matt. <laughs> I wanted to take some time off, need to take some time off. And, uh, you know, had, had been told that Yamamoto wasn't going to be posted until about Thanksgiving. So I'm thinking, OK, like are any of the starters going to sign before that? And I'm a little mm-hmm. surprised that all thing came together when it did, but then talking to people and parsing it out, um, it, it makes sense as to why it did. Um, the Phillies, I think were a little more motivated once they realized, um, you know, that might take a little bit on Yamamoto and they were a little, maybe a little scared that Nola would sign before they had a clearer picture of what Yamamoto would cost or how interested he was actually in coming to Philadelphia. Um, so I think that's why it happened when it did. 
Yeah, and I think the Atlanta threat was very real. Like maybe oh, no question. Yes. Yeah, like this yes. was that was not fake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> part of a competitive tax to sign him now and you know give that extra year in order to keep him away from Atlanta because we there talk was about a how... team too. I think I'm not sure who it was. It wasn't the Cardinals. It wasn't the same. Do you believe there was another National League team that made an offer? I, I I wish I could know who it was, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure that out. Um, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, the Braves we, we were talk... real threat. They were real. Yes. We we talk about how you know. How tough it would have been just internally to fill Noel's innings if he went elsewhere. Imagine if, imagine if he makes five starts a year against the Phillies and oh, <laughs> saves God. his good bullets for that. Oh boy! Thankfully, we are spared. Okay, that's it. Let's wrap it up here. No, this was good. It's been a good start to the offseason, even if a bit quiet prior to the Nola uh, to prior to the Nola news. His press conference happens later today on Monday, as we're recording. By the time you listen to this, it might have already happened. Uh, the Phillies are again in a good spot. They don't have a lot of work left to do. Keep an eye out on, you know, guys you might remember from a few years ago coming in as spring training invites as the year winds down and the new one starts up in January. We'll be back with you before then, I'm sure. Probably won't be a ton to talk about, but I don't know. Maybe we'll have some fun. We'll maybe we'll, yeah, before maybe the winter we'll meetings or maybe at the winter meetings. Yeah, do a little winter meetings thing. Maybe I'll finally get my act together and we'll we'll do like a like a streamed immaculate grid situation or something. I don't know. We'll just try and have fun because the off season is long and we need to pass the time. But anyway, thank you all. If you're still with us, thank you so much. Uh, thank you as always for listening, for hanging with us, for having a good time as best we can. This is the most boring part of the baseball season, but we're getting through it. Things are looking good. Matt, any parting words before we sign off for another couple of weeks? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there, our ladies and gentlemen, fanatics of all ages. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Paul. We'll be back with you around the time of the winter meetings. Take care until then.